Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Hold on. Ed is saying, Ed, are you I'm, there? Ed? Yes. Can you hear us, Ed? This is the Press Box. To answer your question, Jared, before we go to break, and hopefully Ed chimes in a little. <laughs> With Grady and Bischoff. We'll take a break, and when we come back, maybe Ed Grady will be able to hear Are us. you guys there? On ESPN Las Vegas. Make fun of me as much as you want. Fourth straight playoff. That's all I know. Stay positive, baby. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared. We're going to open up with the VGK. The first bite. Who is lying? Bill Daly or Robin Leonard? This, I, you know, Tyler, it's like yesterday with the tweet from Mark Davis. Like, you almost say, you almost hope Jared says, guys, just go to 750. We won't take any breaks. Because <laughs> there's so many levels and context to this that I'll just say this, and I want to get your thoughts off top. I'll just say this. To me, I don't know if anyone specifically lied. That That word, lied. Now, you could go to whether or not the NHL inferred to the players um, if they, you know, if they all got vaccinated, things would loosen up. And, you know, the players took that as a promise. I think the bigger picture here, and I'm going to write this for the paper, and I truly do, is that Robin Leonard continues to help so many people by being a voice for mental health. And I think that we haven't had, we've had some athletes, but he has been someone at the forefront of really bringing a serious issue that affects so many more people than people know and, and really want to believe in, in this world with mental health. So you can tell me what you think about, he said on the vaccines, but I think there's a bigger picture here where I'm so impressed with him that he actually talks about this and in his words, tries to help others and, and bring a light to a, a, you know, a, an issue that affects so many people. So for anybody that missed it, Robin Leonard talked for, for what, like 10 or 11 minutes? 11 minutes. Great. 11 minutes. They timed, uh, they timed it. <laughs> uh, I mean, everyone's at 11. <laughs> yesterday during a press conference. And he spent that time talking about the NHL players and how they have been you know, isolated as players. The protocols in place by the NHL is that they're not really supposed to do anything. Like, it's supposed right. to be home, practice, home, game, home. Like, that's what they're supposed to do. And Robin Leonard talked yesterday about how that has taken a toll on the mental health uh, of him personally, but also just in the bigger picture in society uh, during the pandemic. Now, the part of it that was interesting was that Robin Leonard said that he was told or he was promised that if the players got vaccinated, if a certain level of players got vaccinated, that some of the restrictions the NHL has in place would be loosened. We've seen that in the NBA. We've seen that in Major League Baseball. Both of those leagues have in place, hey, if you get a certain percentage of your players vaccinated, we'll ease up on some of these restrictions. We, you won't be, it won't be as strict. You, you can actually leave your house. You can actually you yeah. know, go, go out to eat on the road. Yeah, yeah, like you, you can do things. Yeah. And so Robin Leonard yesterday said that that he was promised that if they got vaccinated, that this that this would happen. That the idea of being isolated at home, he wouldn't have to do that as much. And Robin Leonard said him pers- himself personally that 
he was on the fence about getting the vaccine, but he was pushed over to the side of getting it because he was promised that he was going to get to to have some more, you know, freedoms with being an NHL player, that he wouldn't be as restricted. Right. And that's the part of it that's interesting because he made the NHL look really bad because if the NHL made a promise to the players of, hey, you guys are going to get to go out to eat. You guys are going to get to go to the grocery store. You guys are not going to have to stay in your houses when you're not at practice or games if you get the vaccine. And then they took that away from them. The NHL looks horrible. Now, Bill Daly, who is the well, assistant commissioner of the NHL, he came out and basically said Robin. they never said that, that Robin Leonard is not telling the truth, that they never promised anything, that they never told the players, hey, we'll ease restrictions. And so – some, I mean, somebody's lying, and it might have been where the NHL talked about it but never truly promised or guaranteed right. it, but the players right. took it that way. But, I mean, right. if you're the NHL and you talk about it and you tell the players, hey, get vaccinated and we might do this, I still view that as the NHL lying. Like, even if you didn't make a stone-cold promise, even if you didn't put it in writing, if you floated that out there as a reason for the players to get vaccinated – like that to me is still lying. Yeah. That's still like you're you're being deceitful in terms of why you want the players vaccinated. And listen, I I think they should all get vaccinated anyways, regardless of whether they're going to have restrictions eased or not. But for some people, it's not that easy of just hey, go get vaccinated. For some people, it is a decision. And if they were pushed over the edge by the hope or the promise of the NHL saying hey, we're going to ease restrictions, and then the NHL doesn't do that. That's brutal from the NHL. That's an, that's an absolute disaster from the NHL. Even if your players, even if you never made the promise, if you led them to believe it, that's that's horrible from the NHL. Yeah. Look, I mean, like I said, I I think the, I think Leonard speaking of mental health more a, a bigger bigger picture. But if you're going specifically to his main concern, I think you're exactly right. Promise, deceitful, disingenuous. At the end of the day, I'm with you, and I believe there is a difference to these players that if you get vaccinated, we'll lose restrictions. Now. Loosen restrictions, mean like you said, go to the restaurants, like Robin Leonard said, go to the grocery store, leave your house. Comparative to other lifting restrictions on the road, look, you don't have to get the, get the uh, grab bag lunch and go to your room. I don't know, but I do believe that his words were so strong. There was an inference, and again, inference promise. It could all mean the same things. Those players believed that if we get vaccinated, we're not in, as Robin Leonard said, and by the way, he came back in a, in a tweet and said he was, you know, it was a wrong word to use, prison. I do believe that was the wrong word, but again, he's trying to make a point to they were secluded, um, sequestered, as we, you know, we saw a jury earlier this week, everything's sequestered, you have to be in your room. You know, I mean, whatever words you want to say, it's a battle of words now, it's a battle of communication. I think it comes down to this, exactly what you said. There was at some point a... A inference to these players that if you get vaccinated, we'll loosen restrictions. So Bill Daly can come out and not lie by saying we didn't promise. That word was never used. But at the end of the day, it's it's what you did. It, 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 the words are, you know, the words are regardless of the words, what you told them is what they believed. And I don't think it's just Robin Leonard. Now, Again, you're right. There's still players who probably, and that's their prerogative, don't want to get vaccinated. We see that in all walks of life, people who don't want to get vaccinated. That's why I think everyone's kind of, in, who get vaccinated is kind of, what is it, hoping for herd, um, herd immunity where I, we know everyone's not going to do it, but let's get to a certain point. Um, Mark Stone was asked about this last night. I found it very interesting that Mark Stone, not that he backed Leonard, he's going to back his guy. He never answered the question. He never answered the question about the the 
inference that that league promised them these restrictions. He just backed his guy, which is what you'd expect. So I don't know if everyone's 100% on board with what Robin Leonard said, but I'm with you in the sense that some enough was said where these guys thought, look, if we get it, we're going to have more freedom. And that's really what it's about. Two things. I think that's happened. And I think it's important for Robin Leonard to continue to what he's done and take the take the baton on this and talk about mental health. So I'm going to side with Robin Leonard with the with the kind of caveat that I don't know if the word promise was actually said, but I don't even know if that really matters. And it probably doesn't. Yeah, because there's there's no way Robin Leonard goes on this 10 or 11 minute rant if he's just like making it up. Like it, like oh, real, real quick, let me ask you this because you you're we're all on these zooms. I wasn't on yesterday. I, I started seeing Twitter. I don't like Robin Leonard played the game before. Now Robin Leonard's one of these players that he'll. T- I think he talks after he plays. Sometimes they'll put him in there in the zooms. And what happens if people don't know out there on these zooms? We get Pete DeBoer and chosen players by the organization. So in my mind, I could be completely wrong. I want to know what you think. I think there's no doubt Robin Leonard said, put me on today. He's yeah. not usually a player, nothing against them, but you usually get Captain Mark Stone, you get Alex Tuck, you get these kind of same players each time. So when I heard Leonard was on there talking for 11 minutes, my first thought was, okay, he wanted something to say, and he asked to be on there. I don't think they put him on there without knowing what he was going to do. Yeah, because I, I, I think I think he even said at one point, I wanted to talk today, or okay, I wanted yeah, to, yeah. to whatever. So I, I think yeah. he did, like he said, hey, I, I, I want to talk to the media today, even though yeah. it's, you know, game day and Flurry's playing, whatever. He still came right. out and, and probably wanted to. The, the one detail from Leonard that I thought was fascinating in terms of trying to figure out what conversations they've had between the NHL and the NHL players is he he used the phrase competitive disadvantage yesterday and basically basically what Leonard said was they were told they would have restrictions eased if so many players got vaccinated for any particular team and now the NHL has gone back and said we're not going to do that we're not going to ease those restrictions and Robin Leonard said that the NHL said they couldn't do that because it would be a competitive disadvantage that teams with eased restrictions would have a competitive advantage over teams without eased restrictions now again this is Leonard telling the story of a conversation that we don't really know exactly how yeah yeah but that that is so specific like that is such a specific detail and such a specific reason as to why the NHL would go back on whatever promise or not promise they made that I I have to believe that conversation happened that somebody told Robin Leonard hey I know you got vaccinated but your restrictions are going to stay in place because it'd be a competitive advantage for you. And like, cause I don't, again, that's something I don't think Robin Leonard would just make that phrase up because that seems like a ridiculous excuse. Cause how is being able to go to the grocery store, a competitive advantage yeah. for the golden Knights over the sharks or whatever team you want to put in there. It just, it, that doesn't make any sense. So that sounds like some ridiculous thing the NHL would come up with to try to say, well, this is why we're not easing restrictions. Absolutely. And it's completely stupid because look, I don't know if that's their way, and let's I don't, just pick a team. I'm not going to put a team out there because then people think they're not getting vaccinated. But Team A is, you know, all vaccinated. Team B isn't. I guess my question should be: If it's so important for the league to get these teams vaccinated, why would you? And this is probably a bad word. Why would you? I'll just say limit or restrict, not punish, but limit or restrict the team that did essentially what you want. Obviously, I think this league wants this team, this league vaccinated. Now, not everyone's getting vaccinated. There's too many people in the league to think it's going to be 100. percent but to say that, and I believe I, I absolutely um, 
I absolutely agree with you that it was said. That makes no sense whatsoever in terms of if you, you know, until everyone's vaccinated, we're not lifting them. And, and why wouldn't you allow a team and take, you know, treat teams, judge teams individually? If the Vegas, Vegas Golden Knights are all vaccinated, then loosen their restrictions. And if team B isn't, then say, you know what, we just can't do it. We can't have you out in the public if you're not vaccinated. We can't risk you bringing it back to the team and then the league. And then we have this shutdown. I don't know why you don't, you know, you don't evaluate each team individually. Why are you evaluating the whole league? If team A is completely vaccinated, why wouldn't you lift their restrictions? You know, soften the restrictions. Yes, you can do this, this, and this. You still can't do this. Team B, two people are vaccinated. You've got to keep the restrictions. Why isn't it a team by team thing? Why is it like a whole blanket of the league? That makes no sense. Yeah, it should be team by team because you should. I mean, if you're the NHL, you want all the players vaccinated for the playoffs so you can play the playoffs without having delays. And so you sure. should you should be incentivizing it so that you have the least amount of delays for your playoffs. Like it's in the league's best interest to tell the players to get it and give them some incentive, which is the whole point of easing restrictions. Is, hey, that, that, that's why Leonard took it. There was going to be an incentive and supposedly they took it away. Now, Ed, our, we just did a segment that was so great that Jared sitting in the studio, instead of listening to us, retweeted a tweet that says, seriously, a monkey could bartend. He tweeted that or he's texted it? He retweeted that. Somebody else tweeted it and he retweeted it. Jared, this is it. This is a good segment. This is what we should this, We Listen, Jared, we give you about 90% stuff every day for the press box worst of the last two days on our opening segments, there's two segments we have for the best stuff. Now, you're probably going to have to play them on a loop because there's not a lot of best stuff on the show. But we got to pay attention during these times. In my defense, this definitely felt like one of those segments that I get out the way and let the two professionals do their job. And it was sort of like listening to a podcast where I was just listening to you guys and scrolling Twitter. And it was just like, this is a really good conversation. I should not get involved. Coming up next, we find out if monkeys can bartend. As the Sharks try to pursue on the forecheck, LeBanc, Gambrell, and Meyer behind the net. Centering try, and it's in the goal. It was a wraparound try, and it ended up with Timo Meyer crashing the net, and it's a 1-0 San Jose lead. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. All right, Jared, you have 60 seconds. Please explain to us if a monkey could bartend. Well, okay, so the whole premise is a monkey could bartend, but what makes a bar a bar is the bartender. So there's, there's this weird like push to be like, we should get robot bartenders. And it's like, okay, but that's not, no one is going to that bar. Like, at all. Like, and so she, the person I retweeted was saying like, yeah, you can teach anything to bartend, but the whole premise is having a human being. Okay, but um, tell me I'm wrong. If all of a sudden there was a bar here in Vegas that had monkey bartenders, you would go to that before going to a regular bar. Monkeys tend to throw their feces. <laughs> they're t- no, no, they're not. They're not throwing their feces. We, I can guarantee there will not be feces thrown. Okay. Uh, I mean, I would probably go once unless it was down on the strip, in which case I'm not parking down there. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. We'll, okay. We'll get to the Golden Knights game <laughs> eventually. 
Um, no one, did, no one does transitions like the press box. Not at all. But I, there, not there was, all. there was one other point about the whole Robin Leonard NHL vaccinated. <laughs> did they make any promises or not? I, that I do think is interesting, and and where the NHL is in a different spot than than pretty much any other league in the U.S. And that's that the NHL has seven teams in Canada. Whereas the rest of our sports either have one or zero teams and that team is playing in the United States anyways. But right, in, right. in the NHL, there are seven Canadian teams and this entire season they've been in Canada playing just amongst themselves. And right now, if you're looking at vaccinations, the United States is so much further ahead of Canada when it comes to vaccinating their population. I, I, I should have looked at up, updated numbers, but I know earlier this month at one point, 20% of Americans were fully vaccinated and it was like 2% of Canadians were fully vaccinated because their Canada's not producing their own vaccine. So they're relying on other countries that produce it to basically sell it or give it to them. And other countries are like, well, screw you. We got to vaccinate our people first. So Canada doesn't have like readily available vaccines. So the mm -hmm. teams in Canada, the players in Canada, like they can't get vaccinated. Whereas any golden Knight right now could go get vaccinated. Like most players in the u.s can go get vaccinated and so i'm i'm curious that whole competitive disadvantage thing that the nhl might have used as a reason not to ease restrictions for players i'm curious how much that has to do with canadian teams because it's not available to them where it is available to most of the players in the united states if not all of them by now well maybe but to me, then shouldn't you have known that going in in terms of, you know, really being strong? Like we, I think we both said, I don't know if the actual word promise was used. I don't think if it matters. But if you were pretty strong in your statements of if you do this, we'll do this. And now you're going to come back and say, well, they can't get vaccinated and you can't. I, again, that's why I think and it's too and look, it's too bad for the Canadian teams. I don't think anyone wants that to happen. I think everyone would like the vaccines to be available and everyone to get vaccinated. But still. Should that in a way, and this is kind of a strong word, not, I, I don't want to keep going back to punish, but should that in a way impede the Golden Knights who maybe are all vaccinated from having restrictions lifted? I, I, I mean, I don't think so. That's why I think it should be an individual case and you get this many people vaccinated, we'll lift some restrictions for you. And if the Canadian teams can't, I think people feel bad for that, but I don't know why if you have the commitment of the Golden Knights, and again, we're not really sure how many are vaccinated because that's a personal issue. I, I agree with that. I don't know if we should even know that, but let's just say for argument's sake, most of, if not all of them are vaccinated. They went out and did what you asked them to do. I don't know if they should now be continued to be restricted because the Maple Leafs essentially can't because of the lack of vaccines there, vaccines there. Yeah. I, I mean, you feel bad for Canadian teams. Like I said, everyone wants people to get vaccinated if they wanted to, but I don't know if a team that goes out and does exactly what you say to do should be held kind of, in ransom until everyone's vaccinated and, and, and you've done with the league, you know, kind of mandates. I, I don't yeah. agree with that. I think take each team as it is, as it is. Because this year in particular, the Canadian teams won't have to play anybody but Canadian teams until there's four yeah. teams left in the, in the playoffs. So even if the goal, even if for some reason the NHL determined the golden Knights would have a competitive advantage over the Maple Leafs because the golden Knights are vaccinated, the Maple Leafs are not. Well, they can't play each other until, yeah. at the earliest, the the final four teams yeah. in the playoffs. So the Canadian one teams, Canadian team, right? There's one Canadian team that will play other people this year. Yeah, one. exactly, exactly. And so, one team. 
So it might be a competitive advantage for the Golden Knights over the Maple Leafs, but that doesn't matter because they they won't play for another like two or three months. So yeah. it's yeah to me like that that is sort of irrelevant, but it is a different wrinkle. And I will I will also make this point for the NHL. The Canucks just went on pause for what, like 24 days because they had over 20 guys in that organization test positive and they had guys with genuine symptoms from reports. They had guys that that passed it on to their family or got it passed on to them from their family and their family members were sick. So I can understand the NHL from the standpoint of, hey, we don't want to sit here with the Canucks being out for basically a month and at the same time start saying, Hey, you might you can start leaving your house now. I can understand that, but at the end of the day, I still think it's the wrong choice because I think people are smart enough to understand, oh, 85% of the Golden Knights are vaccinated. That's why they can do it. The Canucks are not because Canada can't get enough vaccines. I think people are smart enough to understand why and that that wouldn't be a terrible yeah. PR look like it's like it could sound like. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, and I, I think that that understanding is there. And like you said, I mean, and people, I think we have to remind people it's four divisions. The division will play each other is going to be a final four, which means because all the Canadian division, we're talking about one team. We don't know what team it's going to be. And two months down the road, I think everyone hopes, restri- you know, that, that there's more opportunity within Canada to get the vaccine. And this is all this is all, you know, copacetic in terms of people being vaccinated. But again, for two months. I think it's unfair if whatever team is vaccinated that their restrictions aren't lifted. If that's what you inferred they had to do. I mean, that's your thing. We don't know. We didn't know the conversations. Was the conversation everyone and every team in this league must do this or we won't lift the restrictions? Or did they infer to each team, hey, if you do this, we'll lighten your restrictions? There's so many questions left unanswered. But I think the bottom line is we both agree that a very strong statement, whether it was promised or not, told these players, if you get vaccinated, we'll lift your restrictions. That happened. There's no way Leonard yeah. went on for 11 minutes and talked about this, and that didn't happen. What in the world would he do that for? That doesn't make any sense. He's obviously upset because they believe that if they were vaccinated, these restrictions would be lifted. That yeah. that happened. And that happened. It, it's especially easy to believe because the NBA and Major League Baseball have done just that. They put yeah. those in place. So it's easy to believe that the players would be told, yeah, we'll do something like the NBA. Well, even and if there was never an official offer. Yeah, I think we both agree they're good. They're good. It's something they should do, right? I mean, you should tell them if you're all vaccinated, we'll lift restrictions. I, I think that's the right thing to do. I don't know why you'd go against that. You, That's a good move by your league if you want guys vaccinated, that if they do that, you'll do something for them, which is lift some of the restrictions. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. All right, coming up next, David Roth joins the show. Uh, real quick, are you the MVP this year? I mean, I gotta be. I gotta be. Okay. All right. I, pr- I probably it. won't get it, but I get I mean, whatever. No, no, don't say that. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Keep We're going like this, there. and th- that nobody will be able to. I'm just you setting. Keep it. this I like, going. I like to, I like to be dramatic sometimes, so I just I, I'm just setting the setting the table. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Joining us now is David Roth from The Defector. Uh, all right, David, what was worse, the Raiders' tweet or Mark Davis's refusal to delete the tweet? I, you know, I respect that Mark Davis uh, didn't really – it's not posting through it. Like, he wasn't like, I see people are really mad about this. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny to me. Like, he didn't 
<laughs> he didn't go full poster on it, but uh, yeah, the leaving it pinned for those hours was a really weird experience. Like every now and then at work, someone would be like, "It's still up, by the way." Like as we were going through the rest of our work days, I feel like there's something like I I, I myself uh, would not have posted that. I'll say that, but there's something about it that's like very earnestly Mark Davis in a way that like I can't I can't condemn. Like I think that that's just like. He wanted to say something nice, and he's the boss. And so everybody was like, all right, sir, like, that's a really uh, interesting way of phrasing this laudable sentiment, and we will post it there. Because, like, I mean, what, who's going to be like, no, that's a really weird thing to say. Like, not just referring to your football team in the first person singular, but, like, that's a start. <laughs> David, do you think, and usually in these situations, uh, especially the, the, I guess, the refusal to take it down, they just didn't take it down that in an owner's mind, especially him, because he was pretty forceful in saying, I'll apologize to the family if they didn't like it. The family came out the next day and actually supported him in the statement, that if he takes it down, that's just an admission of guilt. And an owner at that point, given what we know about owners, just wouldn't go that route. Yeah, I think that that's pretty much the, I mean, not even just owners, but definitely owners. I think that that's like kind of where the, the culture is heading right now. That like, if you, the only way that you could be held accountable, uh, you know, for anything at some level is if you admit that you did wrong and feel badly about it. And so people are just like, well, I don't actually, I don't, I'm not sorry about the mistakes that I made. The thing with that is that I think that it's different. That, and this is another thing where I'll, I sort of give it like a backhanded credit is that every other team put out some like absolutely overworked statement of like passive voice stuff about. Mm-hmm. unity and moving forward together and stuff and like this actually like kind of felt like mark davis for better or worse i mean that like i think that he really cares i think he's just also kind of a weird guy who's lived in like the single most deranging uh environs that you could live in like like literally just coming home from school and al davis is there in a track suit like cursing <laughs> <laughs> like this is the least weird that he could be is the version of himself that he is right now but i think that he was you know Hurt in his weird way. He just like probably could have given it another edit too. So okay, I'm curious your thoughts on the, just the general idea that when we have a verdict in the Derek Chauvin case, or when any event like this happens, that there's almost now an expectation that if you're a sports franchise, you have to tweet something about it. It's bizarre, right? I mean, I think that's absolutely right, and I think that it's also like. There's something that happens. I think some of it is just you know the nature of Twitter, where they're like there's that little box and a blinking cursor in it, and you're like, well, I, maybe I do have something to say, and that's like <laughs> how you get yourself in trouble, you know. And in this case, I think that it, like I remember writing about this years ago when I was at SB Nation about like at the beginning of the period where Twitter was big enough that like brands were on there, not just you know like IBM, but like. Chester Cheeto had, like, an account, you know? <laughs> and so, like, every year on September 11th, Cheetos would be like, hey, remember September 11th? That was terrible. Like, we at Cheetos <laughs> don't condone that in any way. And also, like, you know, and whatever. And I remember reading it and being like, this is deranged. Like, I don't need to hear from, like, any snack food about, like, a national tragedy. Like, I... Like, because I know that it's not a person, and it can't have an opinion. Like, Chester Cheetah is not real. He can't hurt me. I tell myself this every night. But I think that there's, <laughs> like, something of, of, about 
that compulsion to like get on the record or whatever. I, I mean, I guess at this point, like you know, now that that expectation is on the books, teams do need to say something. But I don't think that anybody's turning to like the Winnipeg Jets for guidance at a time like this. They shouldn't be, you know. And so it, the idea of like this statement coming from a team that is itself a brand and coming out in that kind of like unlanguage of like public relations and lawyering is like, there's something dispiriting about it. It just feels like off, you know? What, and look, it goes back to, you know, as well as anyone, it goes back to Jordan, you know, Republicans buy shoes. And it's so different now in 2021 with athletes and their voices and that half the population stick to sports. Another half population say, no, that's wrong. I have my own pet peeve where, you know, the NBA players and coaches choose their battles, and yet we never hear anything about China and the money they make over there, but that's a completely different mm-hmm. story. How have you seen from your prism in terms of how sports has changed when we get the athletic kind of side of things with very political statements and how kind of that world has kind of you know morphed into a different sense of what we used to see? I mean, I think it's in some ways that it probably isn't that different than what it was when, say, like when I was a, a kid, you know, 30 years ago that like, I think that there's, I think that it's a matter of, of what people are willing to say. And then also the fact that these questions are now being asked. And then, then there's all these other platforms where people are sort of putting it out there in an unsolicited way. And I think mm-hmm. when it comes to stuff like this, I can see what, what is off putting about it because it is, it's sort of new, but I think that in general, like our awareness of, especially of stuff like, you know, police violence and impunity and stuff like that, that is that in itself is sort of newly urgent or understood in this different way because there's, because everybody has a camera in their phone because there is, you know, so much, uh, you know, out there to find that like if something bad happens in Ohio, when I was a kid, I would not find out about it. Like there was no way for me to find out about it. Like CNN existed. But, like, that wasn't a story that they covered, and it wouldn't make the local paper, and it wouldn't make, you know, the national paper. And now it's like I see these terrible videos just as a function of sort of being online. I think that that – so the way that that athletes and and teams and, you know, and brands or whatever are sort of like a part of this conversation, I think that what's weird about it is what's weird about all of it, right? That, like, there's too much of it in the monitors, it's impossible to sort of process it. And this is not, I mean, I, that's just the nature of, of how the world is. Like if I was aware for one second of all the misery in the world, you know, it would be crushing. I think in this case, right. like knowing about all of this stuff and feeling like you need to get on the record about it, it's like, I think that's natural, but it's also, it's unnatural to be as aware as we are of how much is sort of wrong. You know, like it's a it's a weird and uncomfortable feeling for sure. Uh, David, I have no idea if you enjoy soccer or not, but did you enjoy the European Super League's three day existence? Incredibly much. I, so, and I don't follow <laughs> soccer, so this was the part of it where I had the totally abstract <laughs> experience of like watching my friends laugh at the most annoying executives in world sports, humiliating themselves. <laughs> But the thing that's amazing about it to me, like just from a totally outside perspective, well, there's two things. One is that uh, people in uh, England love to go in the streets and sing songs together uh, <laughs> about soccer, and I think that's great. Like the fact that they're all like oldies that I remember from like hearing on the oldies station when I was a kid, like just like 
a thousand guys, all of whom have had seven beers, singing Blue Moon because they love Chelsea so much. Like, if I cared about the Premier League, I'd probably be like, oh, Chelsea, well, I don't like this or that. Like, in this case, I'm like, carry on, lads. Like, have fun out there. And, and in this case, too, with the league, I think that there's something really gratifying about this. I mean, it was a really ugly gambit. Like, it was basically, like, an attempt to, you know, buy the biggest fish in these different leagues to be like, we don't actually need to play like all of these other teams from our country. Like who cares? Like that, you know, like we just should hang out with each other. The other rich teams, like that's a little repellent seeing how quickly it didn't work and seeing the fact that like people are to a certain extent being held accountable for it. I mean, I think a lot of the execs that have resigned or been fired in international soccer were just basically like, they got caught out there. Like they did some really greedy stuff and fans don't want to look at them anymore. And like, there's some real basic thrill in like 2021 at watching somebody who screws up bad, then be held accountable for it and have to suffer consequences. Like for all the talk about canceling and, you know, sort of hyper vigilance or whatever that never happens anymore. You know, but like you can go ahead and screw up the Colorado Rockies as you, as the GM and just keep that job for 10 years. You know, (laughs) so the idea of like these guys having Eat crow is uh, I, I found that kind of gratifying in a perverse way. We've talked about uh, this now, and we're only a couple weeks into it. But uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on you talk about incompetent people. Is there a more incompetent level of sports than baseball umpires? It's amazing, right? I so I was watching. Uh, this is this is my problem. I was watching the uh, fourteen to four Mets loss at a freezing cold Wrigley <laughs> Field last night. And the home plate empire was, it was a new guy. It wasn't like, you know, you'll see like Angel Hernandez on a game and you're like, oh, great, cool. This will be fun. Uh, I'm really interested in seeing what he does. Like, you're going to, whatever. So in this case, this was some dude I'd never heard of. It was super cold and he was missing everything. And the, you know, the hitters are mad at him. The pitchers are mad at him. Like the, the Mets booth, which wasn't bold, but they were stuck watching this four hour game and they were like being like he's had a very bad night which is not something that most announcers would say also just a terrible thing to have someone say about you while you're out there doing your best like oh it's not happening for this guy but it is like it's remarkable and i know it's a, a difficult job and like lord knows i don't want to do it but it uh it really has been kind of striking i'm not a big robot umps guy either like i i kind of don't like, well, whatever. It's, I'm not in the abstract. I'm not a robot ump guy. But then, like, at some point, you're like, I like the human element or whatever. And then I'm remembering this guy from last night just calling balls and strikes at random. And I'm like, well, maybe maybe the robots and the people could work together. Like, it'd be like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it'd be buddies. Uh, David, since we last talked to you, Williams Astudio came in to pitch through the ball under 50 miles an hour in a seven-pitch, one-two-three inning. Um, is he a better, is he more fun as a pitcher than he is as a hitter? He, so I, I know a lot of people, this has been a big thing in like among baseball writers this week that too many position players are pitching now. And because the games are lopsided and whatever, and it's, they're saying that it's not fun anymore. And I, I gotta tell you, I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> I still enjoy watching a position player pitch and watching that seeing that has to deal is as weird a pitcher as he is, uh, like a base runner or a defensive <laughs> player or a hitter was like, it was super gratifying. It's, it's such a weird thing too. like his, as a body type, it's not like a normal baseball thing. 
you know. But then you see a guy who's like five eight and kind of shaped like like the grimace, throwing a ball as slow as you can throw a ball <laughs> overhand, and like a, a batter helplessly watching it settle into the glove, and it's you know it's avant garde art. It's like you know, like I I could not be happy. I hope he gets a chance uh, in some higher leverage situations. <laughs> well he is david roth from the defector david as always we appreciate it thanks david Great thanks guys oh willian's astudio what a hero just lob it in there 46 miles an hour did, they can't did you it. see did you see grinky's 52 mile an hour a couple weeks ago or a week ago? yeah and, and astudio yeah. stood him up by throwing it yeah. 46 he it says smaller. yeah uh, grinky's gotta grinky's gotta try to match him you know what's funny zach grinky he had his a terrible outing um it's like he's had one awful outing this year, and he threw like a fifty-something mile an hour pitch. And if you Googled Zach Greinke after he gave up like six runs in two and two thirds, that didn't come up. It was just about his fifty-one mile an hour pitch. Yeah. So if you're having a bad day, just lob one up there fifty-one yeah, just, miles an hour, and everybody will forget about it. Do like the softball windmill, yeah, and just like uh, and just like try to try to try to throw it that way, which would be absolutely awesome. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, we will talk about what might be the greatest front office in football, the Philadelphia Eagles. Right? That was as easy as that. Rock, paper, scissors. Let's see how competitive you are. I'm competitive. I'm going to be talking trash to him. Did you talk trash back to me? Right? Because um, everyone's compete looks a little different. Like, if I, I get up there, I play them rock, paper, scissors. They got a little more creative than I did at times. So, it was awesome, though, because it did anything you compete at. When you compete with somebody that's competitive – they're going to go at you no matter what, no matter what game you're playing. You're sitting in the press box with Granny and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. That was Nick Sirianni, who is the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, um, telling Andrew Siciliano that during interviews with draft prospects, he played them in rock, paper, scissors, challenged them to a game of rock, paper, scissors over Zoom because he wanted to see how competitive they were. And I, what? Like, what is he doing there? If I was a player and he said, all right, let's play rock, paper, scissors, and he started trash-talking me in rock, paper, scissors, I don't even know how you trash-talk in rock, paper, scissors. I'd be like, I don't want to play for you. I don't want you to draft me. Well, a couple things stood out to me. One, how in the world didn't Gruden think of this? And two, besides that fact, when he said they got really creative, it's like three moves in this thing. Paper that's covers a, rock. Scissors cut point. paper. And, and, and rock crushes scissors. How the hell can you get creative when you got three moves to think about? So I mean, come on. It's not, it's not very deep here. Are they cheating? Was he saying I, they were what? cheating? Well, maybe when you go one, two, three, they show on four. Like, you know, you and I are playing one, two, three, boop, but I wait to see if you go rock and then I go paper. I mean, it's, I, this is so NFL, well, not NFL coach, coaches overthink the room so bizarrely at times, whether it's Gruden and Mayock saying, we know everyone else has them in the fifth round, we'll take them at 17 overall. Or something like this, like, how can I find out if this guy's, you know, a mean guy and a player and a locker room guy and all that well let's play rock paper scissors like what are you talking about <laughs> like put on film and have the guy have the guy right. break down a film on what you're supposed to do in a certain play why don't you do that at some of point i'm gonna have to find all the dumb questions that coaches and uh scouts have asked players yeah. at the combine and ask you guys like we'll we'll make a day of it just oh, randomly yes. interject with if you were a vegetable 
What type of vegetable would you be? Of okay, of all the resources that NFL teams have today, whether it's watching players and what they did in college, whether it's the combine or I guess this year their pro days, like whether it's interviews where you get to ask them legitimate questions, even if it's the stupid wonderlick test, of all the things that they have, all the resources they have to figure out if a player is good or not, you still have a head coach doing stupid things like, well, to find out if he's competitive, I trash-talked his rock-paper-scissors game. Like, what is that? How do you even – I still don't even know how you trash-talk in rock-paper-scissors. Like, oh, it's, you moron, you threw scissors. Like, what? What do you even trash-talk in rock-paper-scissors? Trevor Lawrence could play this with Urban Meyer and put down paper 7,000 straight times, and Urban f- figures out that he'll do scissors every time, and he's the first pick overall. Like <laughs> – None of this matters. Like Trevor Lawrence on the word, like Trevor, you got a number one, you got a one out of a hundred, but that's okay. We think it's a stupid test. We're taking you number one. This stuff, it's you're like wasting time with this stuff. I hope more than anything that the Eagles pass on like some no-brainer pick in the draft, and in the press conference afterwards, somebody asked Nick Sirianni about it and says, "Well." He wasn't very good at rock paper scissors, so we couldn't take him in the top ten. He just kept going yeah. rock. Like, you oh, got to change get, it up, man. He didn't get creative. He didn't change it up. My God. Like, it's uh, like I, I hope at some point, because the other Eagles story that came out yesterday is that they're not going to name Jalen Hurts the starter, that there's going to be an open competition between Jalen Hurts and Joe Flacco. I hope at some point, whenever a starter is determined, a reporter asks Nick Sirianni, well, was Flacco just not very good at rock, paper, scissors? Yeah. Look. I'll leave you with this. Well, two things. One, is a Cowboy fan, I love Sirianni because he completely seems like a lunatic. And I don't think he if, – if this is how he's handling pre-draft stuff, who knows this guy he can even coach. So I'm all in on Nick Sirianni. The second thing is, because we're very honest with each other, I'm going to say one, two, three, and you tell me what you do, and I'll tell you. Ready? One, two, three. What would you do? Paper. I did paper. See, we're not creative. <laughs> We've never been drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. We're not creative enough. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> I got I gotta get more creative. This this I mean this is what makes sports stock radio. We're doing rock, paper, scissors from home, and uh Nick Sirianni's actually judging draft talent on it. Well, yeah, Nick Sirianni, I don't think he drafted either one of us. <laughs> yes, I, I don't exactly. listen, I don't even know how to trash talk you. You threw paper. <laughs> I, don't know. I, don't, I don't know how to trash talk you. Like of course we you throw paper. paper. You write for a newspaper. <laughs> that was so yes, predictable. Yes, I, exactly. Is that how it is? I don't know what to do. Ha <laughs>